0: Let me let you into my thought process a little bit. It's a scary place, but hopefully we can work through it together. Whenever I finish a series, the next Sunday is the hardest one because I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I sit down on Monday in the office here and I go, what am I supposed to talk about now? And usually it takes until Wednesday or Thursday, and then God says, okay, talk about this. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Okay, finally. And then we get it done, and it's good. But the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm panicking because I'm like, what am I going to preach these people about? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I just finished up a series, especially like way back when, when we did our look through worship, and it was like nine weeks long. Like after that, I'm like, where do we go from here? So here's where we're going. Christmas is coming. No, we're not talking about Christmas. But I have to fill in these like four, five, six weeks until you can start talking about Christmas stuff. So what am I going to do with those four, five, six weeks? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about my favorite person in Scripture, and that's Peter. We're going to look through over these next few weeks here. We're going to look through the life of Peter, the big moments in his life, and see what what we can learn from them. Now, Peter, of course, is one of the first disciples. His name is Simon when we first meet him, but God, Christ, right, changes his name. We know that he's a fisherman. We can guess that he's at least the age of 30, if not older. Why? Because you were not allowed out on your own as a man until you were 30 in that culture. So we can guess, okay, he's at least 30 years old. We know from later on in Scripture that he's married. Now, whether he's married at this point, we're not sure. I would wager that he is, but not as important. And we also know this, Peter's impulsive, Peter's angry, Peter acts before he thinks most of the time, Peter is loyal, he's faithful, except for one big moment, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. In short, I see a lot of myself in Peter or a lot of Peter in myself. We struggle with the same things. We have the same personality type in a lot of ways. And so I've always been drawn to Peter. Because Peter is a man whose life could have gone incredibly differently. Until one man showed up. Let's talk about that day. So here we are. We're in Luke chapter 5. Now you might say to yourself, Pastor, isn't this exactly what Rick Bunker talked about a few weeks ago? Kind of. It is the same passage of scripture, but we're going to be focusing on something else that's in it. Okay? Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. And the title of this one is Life of Peter, The Call. Each each one is going to be Life of Peter and then something. This is the call on his life. So Luke 5 1 through 11, it's up there as well. Let's read it. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gensaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little away from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Verse 8 now. But when Simon Peter saw that he fell down, saw that... He fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's talk about this a little bit. First thing I want to point out, These are Jesus' first disciples. John may have been the beloved one, as he calls himself in the book of John. But Peter was the first. And, of course, we know from later on that Peter is going to be the rock that Christ builds his church upon. Peter is the leader of the 12 apostles outside of Jesus. And is the original one called? I think there's something beautiful in that because Peter, outside of Jude... Is the one that seems to have the most problems too. But he's the one that gets called first anyway. All right, let's look at this. Number one on your notes there be aware. Be aware. This part's more about Jesus than it is about Peter. Not that everything's not about Jesus, but be aware. And then A, of what? Be aware of what? Be aware of your surroundings. Christ is teaching. We can guess that it's probably 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because fishermen would fish at night. Why? Because the market was open during the day, so you didn't want to be out fishing during the day. You would make no money. So you fished at night, caught the fish, and then brought them fresh to the market. So we can guess that it's probably 8, 9, 10 o'clock, somewhere in that range. And Jesus is surrounded by people near this lake. They can't hear him because there's so many people. So he says, hey, take me out a little bit. Why? I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Because water, sound travels over water. It's a natural amplifier. So he goes, hey, put me out a little bit. So that's the first thing. Jesus is aware that there are people that can't hear him, and he's aware of the boat that's there and the water, and he's aware of science, why he created it, And so he's aware that he's going to be louder when he's on the water. So he says, okay, put me out a little bit. Be aware of what is around you. And then be underneath that of who. Be aware of who is around you. Jesus knew that the first three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, sons of Zebedee, were there. Whose boat did he pick? Peter's. Or Simon, as he's referred to in this one for most of it. He's aware of who is around him. Now, here's the thing. We don't have the luxury of being God, so we don't have omniscience. We don't know everything, which means you have to be doubly aware. Because here's the thing. People are watching you, both human and spirit. Therefore, in Hebrews, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... You are always surrounded. People are always watching you, whether you're in McDonald's, whether you're home, whether you're at work, whether you're in the grocery store, and the angels and demons that are surrounding you, and yes, they're all here, are watching you. What are they going to do? What is this person going to do? Be aware of who's watching, which means you have to act in the right way. You can't take a minute off. How many times do we like to go? Well, I just I just had a little meltdown. It's fine. I was carrying all of this and I just broke down a little bit and I yelled at this person. Yep, you did. And you may have just caused irreplaceable damage to that person. Some of you might know who John Christ is. He's a Christian comedian, but he's so well known that non Christians find him funny as well. He just canceled his tour. Because it came out that he was sexting a girl who was not his wife, along with embezzlement, and the article said manipulation. I'm not sure what that is like, but okay. He had to cancel his tour. People were watching. And I know people, personally, who went, see, those Christians, they're nothing better than we are. And you know what, you're right, We're not. We're sinners just like them. Now, we have something more in us than they do, because Christ is in us. But John Chris didn't rely on Christ and the Holy Spirit in that moment, and he failed the people around him. As a Christian, I'm here to tell you, you have to be aware of who's around you. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. Neither are you. But you've got to realize who is around you and who might be watching. And Jesus was well aware of who was there and who would be listening to the words that he said. So that's number one, be aware. Number two, he knows best. He knows best, and that's a capital H, he. We're talking about God here. He knows best. We see that in the next section of verses there, four through seven-ish. He goes, okay, I'm done talking to this group of people. Peter, go a little further into the lake and let your nets down. Peter probably looked at him like, you're a special kind of stupid, aren't you? I've been a fisherman for two decades, at least since the time he was 12, because that was when he would have been chosen to either continue on in the schooling to become a rabbi or to go home and continue his father's work. Obviously, he did his father's work. So it's been at least 18 years, so I'm going to call it two decades for easy math. Probably and possibly more than that, he's an expert at this. He's been doing it a long time, and he's like, I just fished all night. I know the best spots. I know the best way to catch fish. You're telling me to go out and fish again. I'm tired. Here's the thing. Remember, they fished at night. He's been up all night. He has not probably eaten breakfast. It's been a few hours now that Jesus has been teaching. He is what we would call hangry. Angry and hungry at the same time. And Peter already struggled with anger. So I can just picture him as Jesus is like, all right, Simon, go out a little bit more and let down your nets. And I could just see the vein like in his neck up through his temple just start pulsing as he's like, I can't yell at him. I'm so tired. I can't do this. But he does it. Notice his answer there, right? In verse 5, Simon answered and said, Master. Now, he's not calling him Master because he is his Master. It's a respectful thing at this point. He would become his master, but it's a respect thing at this point. Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. I can almost hear the sarcasm in Peter's voice here. As He's like, fine, I will do it. If you've ever had kids, I have not, but I've seen this happen and I have done this. You tell them to go do something. And they're like, well, that's not going to work, but fine. I'll do it just to prove you wrong, Dad. The amount of times that has worked for me is never. Right? And that's the kind of thing that's happening here. He's going, I'm, I'm tired, God, but fine. I'll put down the nets. You see, but here's the thing. Yes, Peter has been fishing for 20 years, but Christ has been around since eternity. He knows best. He knows what you should do better than you do. He knows you better than you do. That's going to come back in a little bit. But the other thing there is that Peter does obey. He does it. He could have fought. He could have said, no, God. Well, he didn't know he was God at this point, but uh, no, Jesus, no, Master. I'm tired. I caught nothing. I want to go home to my wife. I want to eat breakfast. I want to take a nap. I'm not doing this. And just rowed back to shore and gone home. And the man that we know of Peter never would have been. But he said, fine, I'll do it. One small choice that really meant nothing for him. It was going to cost him an extra five minutes of his day. Something that he probably looked at as nothing would change the course of his life forever forever. So he does it. But God knows best. He's going to tell you to do, I just taught, I taught in chapel here on Monday with the little kids, the elementary school. And we talked about Jericho. And I said, has God ever asked you to do something weird? And like all of them raised their hand. I'm like, what's the weirdest thing? And they were like, obey my parents. And I'm like, yeah, that's so weird. It's the weirdest thing in the world right there. Right? But the story of Jericho, most of us are going to know it. They got to walk around this wall like 14 times and then blow some horns and that's going to defeat this fortress city? Yeah, it did. This wasn't even that weird. But sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense to us. They don't make sense to what we want to do. One of the choices that I look at in my life, most of you here know I went to Valley Forge Christian College for a year, and I loved, it. I loved every second of it. I loved my professors, I loved chapel, I loved my friends, I loved my dorm life. I loved everything. And God said, no, Sam, this isn't where I want you. And he asked me to transfer to a college that I had only heard bad things about. The rumors that flew around about Baptist Bible College were things like, you can't listen to music. You can't watch movies. You got to dress up to go to class and everything like that. Do you see me? I don't dress up sometimes i do for you guys but th- this this is dressed up for me jeans and a polo i like it <laughs> right right so so i'm like i don't want to go to this uptight baptist school i'm a pentecostal now i like putting my hands in the air and worship and god said sam do what i ask and i did and i'm here now and i love it one choice changed the course of my life It was a choice he asked me to make that I went, really, God? And Peter had that moment right there. But God knows what's best because God sees past, present, and future, the whole shebang. See, the great thing about omniscience is that it doesn't just mean he knows everything. It means he knows everything perfectly, which means he also knows the outcome of every choice you didn't make. He knows the branches off. If I had stayed at Valley Forge, he knows the path my life would have taken there. He knows what would have happened if I had gone to Lancaster Bible or Karen or Liberty, whatever it be. He knows the different branches perfectly. He also knows which one is best. He knows what's best. So number one was be aware. Number two, he knows what's best. Number three, now number three, the call. The call. All this is leading up to something for Peter. I love Peter's response because, of course, they they do catch the fish. Which is a miracle. I'm of the personal belief that, as they, because uh, I believe in a God who was all powerful, that those fish were not in that lake, that they put the nets down, and God went, and now there were fish in their nets. I don't think those fish were in the lake before. So he pulls the nets out. The boats are sinking, and Peter here. We often think of Peter as kind of a little dim-witted, not stupid, but he's not the sharpest uh, cran in the box either. Yet he's the one who recognizes who Jesus is before everybody else, besides his mom. Because the moment this happens, he goes, oh, crap. Now, he probably said a different word because he's a fisherman. I'm in the presence of someone far greater than I am. Now, he maybe probably didn't fully understand who Jesus was yet, but he had an inkling. And his response, right there in verse 8, go away from me, Lord, For I am a sinful man. Now he uses Lord, capital L, and then lowercase O-R-D. That's significant because the all caps Lord is always referring to God. It's Yahweh. I am the I am. So he recognizes him as Lord, lowercase L. Not quite God yet, but still way more than I am. Go away, I'm a sinful man. Peter knows who he is. Peter's well aware of the fact that he's an angry man, that he's a sinful man, that he probably looks at the girls at the market and wishes they were his wife and not his current wife back home. Peter recognizes who he is. But the glorious thing is that God recognizes who you could be. Because Christ's response is, don't fear, from now on, you'll be catching men. That's in verse 10. You see, Peter is well aware of who he is. I'm a sinful man. Yep, you are. Notice, Christ doesn't contradict him here. Christ doesn't go, no, 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 you're doing okay. No. Christ says, yeah, you are. Dang right. Christ has a way of doing that throughout Scripture if you read. He never says, well, no, you're doing okay. (laughs) Yep, you're sinful. But I see who you could be. You see, here's the thing. God sees who you are better than you ever could you see because I can try to hide little bits of myself and deny the fact that I'm like certain ways but God sees them he knows God knows that to this day I struggle with pride that's why he doesn't let me do a lot of stuff that a lot of people can see because he knows I get a big head God knows that to this day I struggle with anger There are some days, I'll tell you this, this morning I woke up and I went, I do not want to deal with people today. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Today's the day I have to deal with people. And I love it. God knows who I am inside and out. But you see, he also sees that Sam could be somebody more. He sees that Jan could be somebody more. He sees that Flo could be somebody more. He says, these people can be more than what they are right now. Peter, yes, you're a sinful man, but I'm going to make you the rock my church is built upon. Yes, you're a sinful man. Now, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Peter's going to be with Jesus for right about three years until Jesus dies. And the man that Peter is here is not the man that could have been the rock. He's not it. And everybody would have looked at him and said, Jesus, why would you call the fisherman first? Because God saw something more. He saw something deeper. Peter's rough around the edges, but even inside, there was a soul hungry for a savior and a diamond in the rough that's in every single one of us. Now, Peter's response, I love it. So here's the call. I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Notice it's not a question. Notice there's no ultimatum there. Jesus is just like, I'm going to make you, don't be afraid, you're coming with me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter could have said this was the chance, one last chance to back out, but he left everything. He left the greatest haul of his life. Peter was sitting on being rich. Here's the thing, Satan offers his best before God offers his. And you better believe that in that moment, Satan was whispering in his ear going, look, look, look at all the money you're going to make, you're going to be set. That's the biggest catch you've ever had. Come on, choose the world. Come on, come on. And Christ was standing there going, I have something more. It's harder, but I have something more. Now, here's the thing. I want to make this clear. I'm not saying that the miracle of catching the fish was of Satan. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that Satan can use our blessings against us sometimes. And Peter had a choice to make, and he makes the right one because he leaves everything. He leaves behind his wife. Now, he's still in contact with her, as we see later on in Scripture. It's not like he's just like, well, (laughs) divorce now. Here we go. Nope. But he leaves behind his job. He leaves behind his friends. He leaves behind the money he's made. He leaves everything. That's so hard for us to understand. We we sympathize more with the man later on in Scripture where Jesus is like, sell all of your things and come follow me. And he's like, oh, hmm. I don't know about that one. But Peter's going, yeah, all right. Don't think this was a flippant choice because he gave up everything. And for the rest of his life, he would have given up everything. Peter would go on to be martyred. And if the contemporary historical uh, uh, accounts are right upside down on a cross, whether that's true or not, we're not 100% sure. But either way, we know he's martyred. He's going to go on to be the one who goes, you're the Christ, and Jesus is like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, you're not going to be dying, and Jesus is like, get the behind me, Satan. He's going to be the one to go on to deny him three times. He's going to go on to be the one who, in a very similar exchange, when he's out fishing and gets a miracle catch to bring him back to Christ, he's going to go on to hardship. He's going to go on to be jailed and beaten. He's going to go on, though, to be the rock of the church. We love Paul, and I love Paul, but Paul wasn't the rock of the church. It was Peter. Peter was the leader of 12, 11 other men. Kind of Jesus' second-in-command in a lot of ways. A fisherman from Nowheresville, Israel. Because he made a choice to answer the call. God's put a call on each and every one of our lives. Here's the thing. He's put a call on your life to come to him. Just the the, the general call, come to me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. It's still a yoke. It's still a burden, but it's lighter than what you're carrying. And if you've never answered that call, I can't encourage you enough to to come to him and say, I need a Savior. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I need a Savior. But then he puts a second call on all of our lives. My call, my call was to be a pastor. And I tell you what, there was a time in between my uh, 10th and 11th, year, my my, uh, sophomore and junior year of college, where I backed out of it. I was beat up. I was bruised. I'd had the snot beaten out of me by a different church, and I went, I don't want this. I can't do it, God. My Uncle Jerry came up and beat some sense into me, but I walked away from my call for a little bit, just like Peter did at one point, but the call was still there, and God still said, come on. Now, some of you, he hasn't called to be a pastor. That's okay, because you know what? We need other people, too. But whatever call he's put on your life, what are you going to do? He's standing there with his hand outstretched, going, brother, sister, son, daughter, what are you going to answer? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Again, we thank you that we can praise you, that we can worship you, that we can come together and, and, and hear about Peter, my favorite person in Scripture. A man who messed up a ton, but you still loved him, you still showed him grace and mercy, and you made him the man that he needed to be. He wasn't there yet when you first called him on that day, but he was going to become that. Father, I ask that in my life you would continue to do that for me, that you would continue to make me more like your son so that I can be the man that you need me to be. And for everyone else in this room, I pray you would do the same for them. Help them to know what the call is and to answer it. Yes, God, I will go. Just like the prophet Isaiah did. Just like Peter did. Just like Paul did. Just like saints have done throughout the generations. Father, we praise you. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen and amen.